I see you, James. I see you as well, sir. How uh, are you on this rainy Chicago day? Oh, this rainy Richmond day as well. I guess we're sharing a rain cloud oh, over, over our nation. I mean, Jesus, every time we record, like, there's always another national tragedy happening. And Yeah, we don't need to get into it because this one, very, 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 very sad. I know, and I'm, I'm always often wondering, like, you know, my grandkids, what were you doing, Grandpa, in uh, 2022? Well, I was recording podcasts with Marshland Monster about the Wheel of Time. And then they'll <laughs> be like, what I was doing. No, Grandpa, you podcast. <laughs> I still podcast, kids. I've never stopped. <laughs> They're like, we're into scripted podcasts now. Get out of here with your just meandering talking for an hour. <laughs> well, luckily they're into scripted podcasts because that's my current game these days, and especially oh. this week, is that uh, the Deathcast. We're working on Deathcast 2. Um, and I'll, I recorded some of that earlier and I'll be recording some of that later and my grandkids will love it because it's scripted. Fingers crossed. I know. And the Toku Reading Corner, that's a scripted one as well, right? Also, talking about Beyblade was half scripted in the beginning and then okay. more and more. I'm like, I cannot keep scripting this. I need to just <laughs> go off and be an improviser. And yeah, the, the show, I think... It got a lot better when I was like, just bullet points, James. You don't need to write out the bullet points. Yes, I, I've, I've been doing that since high school, I think. Not writing any scripts, just doing bullet points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, I'll let, I'll let my, um, my grandkids that don't even exist yet let them know that the Toku Reading Corner and talking about Beyblade. Go back and check the, uh, the old <laughs> episodes of that. <laughs> First five episodes of talking about Beyblade. <laughs> then kind of the, the second five. And then by 15, I'm like, I need guests on this show. S- ditch the scripts, baby. <laughs> Man, scripts. So, hey, um, I don't know if you've noticed. You probably have not noticed. But um, our band corner is going to be different this week. I know we haven't even gotten close to that point because we don't have to. Because we have a different style this week. Did you notice that uh, that cool background music playing, James? I didn't because you don't play it with us, dude. Also, we're not even close to the corner. We we're not we are Rustin Par right now. We are not getting right. Rustin Parred. Well, I wanted to explain that the reason that people are hearing this background music right now and that we are not hearing it, but they are, is because I'm featuring the white Batmobile throughout our whole episode. He does a different kind of style. He doesn't write these snappy, you know, two and a half minute songs. He writes these 20 minute long, um, you know, some people call it background music, atmospherical music, uh, trance, hip hop, uh, not hip hop, definitely not hip hop, uh, trance, uh, Give me some more crap in that genre ilk. What other kind of stuff is James? Help me out here. Techno, huh? Tec- mm, maybe, yeah. Some of the synth stuff is- wave. Synth wave. There Lo-fi. You go. We're gonna be listening. To- we're gonna be listening to him throughout the whole episode in the background here, and we'll probably fade out and fade back in. But he's a good guy. The White Batmobile. I wanted to mention him like right up front before we get into anything else because just because that's what we're listening to, and that's why shit sounds different. <laughs> But man, uh, something else different around the house here and around your house are the is is butter and socks. That's what I've really been thinking about is how they've been getting along. And I haven't heard from you this week, so I figure no news is great news. Are they best friends yet? 
Yeah, they kind of are. The only issue is Nicole got two automatic feeders because we had an automatic mm. feeder for socks and she says hey i'll get another one for her but the issue was that even if you even if she was like syncing the up the times exactly perfect one would still not go off like it, it would go off 10 seconds afterwards so both of them would rush and then the other one would go off and then the person who got their second would run there so the second person ends up getting a little bit more food and it she's like oh how do i do this so she fashioned up this like makeshift splitter to funnel half of the food down into one dish and half of it down into another. <laughs> so she ended up just buying two to have to like give away one of them to her mom as an early Christmas gift. So she was upset about that yesterday. You can hear her frustrations in this week's in, or last week's engaged with Nicolas Cage. Oh, dang. I didn't know you put one of those out, but I'll have to listen for that. I mean, it'll be last week's because this goes out. It comes out in a couple days. Oh, 10-4. Yeah, we're always like a week ahead here. We might actually get two weeks ahead. Who knows? Because... Mm -hmm. We have so much backlogged music that I need to put out another music episode to feature everybody. So that's going to be happening probably pretty soon. Right about now is a good time because we just finished watching episode eight of Wheel of Time. So after today, we're going to be done with the official season. Mm -hmm. So then we get to mess around and do whatever we want. So probably next week would be the best week to mess around and do music. There was no, like, cartoon in the vein of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit made for Wheel of Time. Of course there was. Oh, James. Whoa. Oh, James. Oh, yeah, there's a cartoon that, the, like, yes. a supplemental thing. Okay, I meant before Amazon's acquisition. Um, you know, my friend, I've been thinking about prompting you with this, and you bring, you bring up a good opportunity. Yes, there are the origins, and we're going to watch those. There's six origin cartoons. I think they're, like, 10 or 15 minutes each. I'd like to have guests on for those. That'd be a perfect episode to like have a guest on. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> then there are some vignettes, which like behind the scenes, uh, the fellow who played um, Loghain, you know, the false dragon in episode four, uh, he did like some behind the scenes stuff where he did some tours of the sets and uh, they're really funny and they're really great. We'll probably watch those as well. There's the fan edit. Remember, that's the movie mm -hmm. that a friend of mine did put together. And I definitely want to... I haven't seen it yet. I've been waiting for you to finish watching all this. I've been hoping Caleb would watch all this. And then, you know, I could experience the fan edit with other people. Because it's supposed to be like, you know, a standalone movie. Uh, so I, I was thinking we could maybe do like either like a watch along or we could split up with that. But then, yes, there is a Wheel of Time series that came out. I'm guessing in the mid 90s uh that was immediately shelved i don't even know if it was aired um it was it is released it's out there on youtube and i believe it's out there even on amazon prime um we definitely got to do a either a watch along or an episode on that just to see how it compares to this wheel of time are you talking about the wind or the eye of the world or no no that's not what it's called uh what the Winter Dragon, it aired on FXX in 2015, uh, but did not make it to series. It was just a, an unsold pilot. Um, maybe, maybe that's something completely different. 
If that's Wheel of Time related, then that's right up our alley. The pilot, based on the prologue to The Eye of the World, starred Max Ryan as Louis Therain <laughs> Thelemon and Billy Zane as uh, Ishmael and aired after midnight with no announcements or publicity. Billy Zane as it, I had no idea. Yes, we're definitely going to watch this because we don't even get Ishmael. There's no Ishmael in our series that we just finished watching. Not in this season anyway. Maybe he pops up later, but... I, I had no idea. This this is great news. All you did was click your mouse a couple times, and you mm-hmm, found mm-hmm. that, huh? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be something that we'll uh, that we'll definitely do. And they just finished uh, wrapping up season two filming, so now that that they're in the editing bay currently, and we'll be getting to season two by the end of 2022. So I'm sure. I don't know how much longer you want to do the Wheel of Time podcast, but this could be a beginning. This could be an end. It could never end. It could always circle around. Well, we should, I think, to to be able to make it so there's not a long delay and a long hiatus between, you know, like us putting out a show and then the second season. I think we should probably go bi-weekly every other, and then hopefully that will... I don't know if we'll even need that because there's a lot of Wheel of Time content out there, but I'm I'm definitely open to that. All of our lawyers are out there right now. I got, I got the best lawyers are up there in Omaha working out a deal with the network. And my shitty lawyers are here with me right now, like running the editing booth. But the best lawyers are up there working out a deal. And if we can get a deal, we might have a podcast on a a network, and I don't know if that will mean that we should do weekly or go bi-weekly. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Does that mean you're on board, or hell yeah, does that mean we'll see when the time comes? I mean, I'm on board for whatever, Steven, as long as I don't need to edit a podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, good for you that I love editing. I have severe OCD, so that when I line up all these little wavy bars... Uh, it, it brings me great pleasure. So I, I have no problem editing the podcast. I love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Man, so before I get into the book corner, James. Yes. I'm going to get into the book corner. <laughs> Ooh. Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. Pick up a book. You got a fantasy. Imagination can take you to where you want to be. Are you curious? How can you find out? Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. Read about stars and cars, play electric guitars, or cops that work hard, patrolling the boulevards, the heavyweight champ, and as crazy as Bow. Books. Check them out. Books. Check them out. At your library. Wanted to recommend a book by um, Adam Clayton Holland. Adam Holland Clayton. Mm. Can you Adam repeat? Clayton Holland, I believe. Yeah. Uh,. If you could do some quick looking up for me, because you're very quick at looking things up. I like to keep my computer and my phone at arm's length so they don't distract me while we're talking. But uh, he released a book recently about uh, siblings and about losing his sibling. And he's a great comedian. He's a super goofball, but this book is not written in a comedic way at all. Um, I mean, you might call it a tragedy. I also read... Um, Stephanie Whittle's Wax book, Everything is Horrible and Wonderful, which is about the death of her sibling, um, you know, Harris Whittles. Mm-hmm. So um, have you found the title of the book yet? I believe it's Tragedy Plus Time, a Tragic Comic Memoir. That's it. Yep. 
That's definitely a recommended book. I read it, I think, a day and a half. I just blazed through it. It's a real easy read. I mean, it's not an easy read, but I mean, Mm -hmm. the way he writes flows really well. So from my book corner, I'm giving it up to Adam. Now I toss it to you, Mr. James. Have you... uh, Oh yeah, I sent I sent you some books in the mail last week. Uh, you did. And we opened them on the air. Yes. Uh, have you had a chance to crack those spines yet? I was hoping you wouldn't ask, Steve. What? Why? I d- milk and cheese. The art's great, but it's peak '90s. Just oh yeah, uh-huh. let's. B- uh, we're weird characters, and we're gonna beat the <laughs> shit out of you. And yep. like, oh, you build it as oh this. This is like Sam and Max, and I was excited. It's not at all like Sam and Max. <laughs> Keep in mind, I've never seen Sam and Max. Mm-hmm. I've only heard your description of Sam and Max. And it sounds like what you're describing is like irreverent, um, absurdist, oddball comedy uh, that sometimes has a moral tied into it. And that's kind of what I saw in Milk and Cheese. And. Yeah, maybe it was a, a comic of its time because at the time it came out, there was nothing else like it. And I guess now there's many things like it, huh? Yeah, it, it's... I'll Because, like, Sam and Max is, are, like, two lovable scamps and grifters working to make the world better in their own absurdist way. Whereas this is just, like... They are mean-spirited individuals, this milk and cheese. (laughs) Well, you have to realize, too, that, like, Evan Dorkin is a very, like, soft-spoken, like, you know, very mannered, (laughs) great person. So, you know, this is, like... Ivan Brunetti, for example, I always talk about Ivan Brunetti and Pete Bag and uh, Daniel Klaus, you know, these guys that that really put their ids into their comics and like, you know, really explore some dark territories. And I think Evan Dorkin does that, too, except he does it in this like goofy Saturday morning cartoon kind of way. I'm going to send you a, the, I think it's the best single page comic in the world It is Sam and Max Presents Our Bewildering Universe. I first read it in the hint guide of Sam and Max Freelance Police. And it's just like each panel is its own like one panel sketch. And it's so good. Read that when you have the time. And our listeners, please do that as well. I'll post it at MSS Pod when this comes out and on our Discord. Because this is... if you watch and read this, y- you'll be like, okay, that's Sam and Max, whereas Milk and Cheese, man, they are. It- it's like if Beavis and Butthead weren't stupid is Milk and Cheese, <laughs> which means they are fucking monsters. Yeah, I guess they kind of are. I don't know. <laughs> like snappy dialogue, though. You got to admit the dialogue's snappy. I think you should have reread this, sir. It's not snappy. It's just mean spirited. Okay. Well, I won't send you any more hate mail, I suppose, from now on. <laughs> I'll just send you, uh, you know, maybe some nice bone comics. I, actually, I, I sold all those as well. No. I know. That was a big mistake, but. I just determined at one point, I was like, yeah, I've already read these. I'm not going to go through these again. And I I really wish I hadn't gotten rid of them. 
I will say when you originally sent me all of these milk and cheese, I was like, fuck, man, did he send me like some comics that are worth something? Because you said, yeah, I think they're all first printing. And I looked it up and I was like, these are $300 comic books. But right on the cover, it says seventh printing like right on it. So I was like, oh, ah. thank God. OK, these are <laughs> these are at most five dollar comics. Yeah, well, I guess you can uh, you can take them down to your local comic shop and see if you can trade them for some radioactive mans. No, I'm not going to do that. I'd send them back to you. I will read all of them (laughs) because maybe it's like the first ones are like really mean spirited and they get a little bit better once they're what's up. They get a little more self-aware, I suppose. I don't know if you're going to think it's better or worse. Actually, I mean, if if you didn't like the first one, that's a good sign. You're probably not going to like Okay, I say that, but then I take it back immediately because I just finished watching. I'm going to switch over to TV. I just Mm -hmm. finished watching the show Dark on uh, Netflix. It's a German show, and it's based around time, and it talks all about the Wheel of Time. Not the actual Wheel of Time, but they talk about, you know, time being circular and time Mm -hmm. coming back around on itself. And the first episode, I think the first two episodes... I thought were kind of corny, kind of hokey in the way they introduced the characters. I did not like, but I mean, the story was intriguing and now I'm completely hooked to it and I completely love this show. So yeah, yeah. sometimes maybe sometimes the first episode is not the best. Like the Witcher, for example, started out pretty like goofy. Like the first scene, I I was like, this sucks, but I kept watching it and I loved it. I, with The Witcher, I was immediately hooked. But I, for TV shows that people are like, hey, James, you'll love this, I'll give them three episodes. And by three right. episodes, because I know, like, pilots are, especially if it's like, oh, we're, mm-hmm. we're using the pilot as the first episode, it will take a little bit to get into. And by the third one, if it's not feeling good for me, I say, I don't want to do that. The only one that I extended that time period was Avatar The Last Airbender and by episode 13 I was like Nicole I truly cannot keep watching this show it's just not for me I don't care about any of the characters like you can keep watching this you can finish it that's fine and everyone says well you you stopped right before it got really good and I was like if 13 episodes in it's still not in quotes really good I'm not going to keep watching it I definitely hear you. I am I am on board with that group of people pointing their finger at you because yeah, it it's an amazing show and like once you watch the whole series, you'll go back and watch those first 13 episodes and be like, yeah, I get it now. But I guess I mean at this point you're right. I mean, I don't see any reason for you to dive in because yeah. you've already given it 13 chances. It's an amazing show. And when Char- anytime Charlotte is trying to like find a new show to binge, that's something that me and Heather will always suggest to her. And you know, she's like, no, I don't like it. You know, because she just like you, she watched the first few episodes, didn't click with her, and so now she's anti Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what can you do? Uh, Caleb was a big fan. That's the reason I, I'm even aware of the show is because you know he was that perfect age when that yeah. came out. So. I enjoyed it when it came out, but just trying to get into it now, it's not a bad show. It's just not for me. It's like Wu-Tang Clan. 
that's right. I've heard you talk about. I've heard you badmouth the Wu Tang Clan. I don't. Well. I've never badmouthed the Wu Tang Clan. Besides ODB, <laughs> I don't think ODB should get the recognition he deserves, or not deserves, that he somehow obtains. Because even the like the good stuff he puts out, it's not like he wrote his own material. I, I love his inflections, I got to say. I do love his rap style. I, I'm a big fan of his rap style. I'm not a big fan of <laughs> some of his personal lifestyle choices that he had when when he was among us. Um, yeah, he didn't seem like... He was, like, so much older than the rest of the guys, right? He was, like, literally, like, just like a hang, uh, an older hanger-on of the band. Is that correct? I have no idea. True, like, I, I know... The rest of the Wu-Tang Clan are good rappers, but I just have never been able to get into them. And please, people, don't say, oh, you haven't listened to this. Yes, I've listened to all of it. I've given them more chances that because sometimes I'm like, you want to know what? I think now is the time I get into them. Hey, I'm going to go into the solo albums that people say are classic <laughs> hip-hop albums no not even their solo stuff even method man who i like on features his solo stuff i because people put them up of like they're great technical rappers this and that and like i listen to them and usually when i hear technical rap i i'm looking for more than just like punchline stuff i want like sean price level rhyme schemes and it just it doesn't click with me so everyone do not suggest anything. I also am not a huge or actually uh Gravediggers I was somewhat into. I was okay, that that was one of the two things I was going to interject with. I was going to like you must like Gravediggers being, you know, a horrorcore fan. You have to have appreciated that album at least a little bit. So but yeah, I, I'm yes. I, I think that's more because of like Prince Paul's contributions because I do like De La Soul. Yeah, hell yeah, De La Soul. I I only got into like their first three albums. I didn't. I'm not sure what they did after that, but I yeah, think I was totally they did those, those first guys. three and then kind of broke up until like more like the last decade. They've put out a couple albums. Okay, well I <laughs> I was on board up until the recent resurgence. Uh, I was also going to interject, James, you were talking about, oh yeah, Wu-Tang Clan. That's definitely not the first hot take on this podcast or a controversial take that you or I have said. <laughs> I don't think we're always on the side of, of, of the general consensus when it comes to like our music, TV, and book choices, even with each other. Like we try to suggest things that we think the other will like, and then mm -hmm. we, we, we have hits and misses. It just happens. Which, like our Iron Maiden stuff, me saying like their music kind of blows, but their cover <laughs> art's great. The mixing of their music blows. I, I should rephrase that. Uh, this, okay, well, I, I think I'm on. I think my head just started spinning. <laughs> I think we're we need to we need to change gears before uh -huh. I get too upset about your your dissing of Martin Birch here. Uh, I did I did mention that we're listening to the White Batmobile. I did not mention. I'm going to drop some sound out right now so we can enjoy a little bit of his music and then I'm going to come back in and say something about him. That'll give me a chance to pause. The White Batmobile. He's from Mesa, Arizona. You got him on Funhouse Records. 
You got him on Herbie Records. I don't know how he managed two uh, distribution deals, but he did. Uh, I need to look up the names of the songs that we're listening to here. He's got a, he has a lot of albums, James. He uh, puts out a different album maybe every week or so, it seems. Uh, Mm -hmm. New songs all the time. He's very, very juggalo friendly. At first I thought I was suspecting that he might be a juggalo just kind of based on his aesthetic. And then when he started putting out songs such as, you know, Juggalo Sex and uh, Satan Juggalo 666 and naming his albums after, you know, Shaggy J. And it's obvious he's a huge fan of of ICP. Uh, I believe like this Funhouse label that he's on is probably like an ICP. um, It it sounds like an ICP friendly label. Probably. I would... uh when it comes to like multiple record labels and also distribution deals are different than record label stuff uh, it could be that <laughs> it, does he put out like cassettes vinyls cds uh vinyls okay all right he doesn't put out cassettes uh no i've only seen vinyls and those vinyls come from herbie records who does vinyls and then funhouse is the i guess the main would you call that distribution would you call that promotion well, I, let's what, ask him. <laughs> sometimes, it, like you could, like a record label, if they just deal in cassettes, they'll put out the album on cassettes, even though you're on a different record label, mm-hmm. and the record, the primary one, will put it out wherever else it goes. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, he's everywhere, just like us. He's like on all the streamers, mm-hmm. and he's going to be on this podcast, James, when we start Whoa. doing these origin stories. Uh, he was the first one that, that raised his hand and said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, you know, be part of the wheel of time. He's been listening to the podcast this whole time. Every time I talk about him, he's hearing what I'm saying. So hell yeah, there we go. Um, and yeah, I did a, I did a pretty big fail by not knowing the names of these songs that I'm playing. So I'm going to put those in the show notes. Everybody relax. White Batmobile, just relax and just enjoy the fact that yeah. <laughs> His songs are like, tw- one one time I was driving through the mountains. I was going from Virginia to West Virginia, and I was listening to one of his tracks. It was like a 25-minute song, and it started out almost like a video game. And the way I was going through this mountain, I wasn't going like on a highway. I was like on a mountain road where there was lots of swerves mm-hmm. and turns and stuff. And the way his song was like uh, navigating me down this mountain, it was it was completely what do you call it synchronicitous it was it was it was an event that i'll always remember that those mountains are where my sister learned how to drive damn <laughs> cuz we have family a lot of my 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 maternal grandfather's family is from west virginia and virginia mm-hmm. so on a road trip there my dad was like hey this is the best place to learn how to drive uh you you have your learner's permit you will be driving the entire family well my sister's (laughs) like (laughs) yeah well charlotte's the exact opposite instead of driving the mountains she learned to drive like in the in the middle of the metropolitan area of richmond like she navigates those fan streets and the city streets and Chesterfield, 95, the whole nine. So she's got thrown in there. Nine-Eve five. Hmm? Nine-Eve five. Of course, yes. In total honor of our woman. Did, did we ever discuss, like, I don't think we have discussed this, before we start getting into the actual show itself, now that you've seen everything and you're up to the very end, James, 
who would who would you say is your favorite character? Do you have a favorite character? Do you operate that way? Well, I'm kind of pissed today because one of my faves can't be my fave anymore. <laughs> we'll get into that later. But I think Egwene is probably my favorite. Egwene? Cool. Yeah, she's just cool. And yeah. then Lan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Lan. Um, if you're going to ask me the same question, I mean, I I loved Matt. The televised of, the, of these televised characters, uh, I loved Matt, and I guess second would be Nynaeve Five. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was my second favorite because she was definitely my favorite in the books um, by far. And Perrin was a completely different character in the book. He wasn't a different character, but uh, I related with him really hard in the books. Like where the fact that like he was like my second favorite character of the books, whereas in the show. I'm not seeing those same relations. I'm not feeling the same, um, you know, oneness with Perrin that I felt in the books. But yeah, we finished watching The Eye of the World. This is going to be part two. We could call this episode The Last Temptation of Rand. Is <laughs> kind of what it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, you're ready to roll, right, James? I came here to rock. I came here to roll. <laughs> So, people, we uh, I think we stopped at about minute 28, and yes. the Trolloc army is approaching the gate at this point, and that is where we are. Um, we got Lord Agomar. Did you think it was strange that Lord Agomar and all of his best guys were in the front, in the very front lines of the fighting, the vanguard? No, because I, I think now in media, we're seeing courageous kings opposed to the cowardice ones who are like, well, if I fall, the entire kingdom falls. Right. You get that in The Witcher, especially the the queen in that of you know that place. Uh, she was like, hey, I am in the front lines. I am here to – they are my people to protect. I'm not going to be living fancy doing my bullshit while my people are dying in battle. If anyone dies, it will be on my watch. Like I, I need to make sure I can tell their families I was there and we tried our hardest that everyone made it back. But it's a war that happens. I apologize. And I think now that we're seeing that a little bit more i was like yeah of course he's in the front lines that's what he's been saying he's gonna do he's been saying he's gonna protect his city and like die for the city but he is also like the strategic head of this whole army so like if you cut off the head then the rest of the army will fall um i I thought that he's maybe not be in the back but at least be in a more protective place than he was uh being the one who was going to lead this crew. And of course, all they ended up doing was standing in front of some windows with crossbows and mm-hmm. like shooting them at his command. Even so, it's, it, I think it's always wise to have the vanguard be like your strongest, toughest, fiercest guys. Um, also, your craziest <laughs> and not the ones who are calling the shots uh, for what's going to happen in round two and round three and round four and round five. But remember, there isn't going to be a round, at least in their (laughs) eyes, there wasn't going to be a round two, three and such. If it's either this is it, if the dragon does what he's supposed to do, or 
everyone around us will have to pick up round two, three, four, and so on. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Well, we agree they're courageous as can be. The women in the city, too. I mean, you see Mm -hmm. them gearing up for battle, and they uh, summon any woman who can channel to come, you know, help. And that's the way they had their battle lines set up. First, it was the gate with the men. Second up was the channelers. And then third up was, you know, the city itself. Um, Which this is, I'm guessing because of COVID, this is the only time I felt, oh, there's this is COVID shit. Because <laughs> there's like five women who can channel, which realistically that might have been the only people in the town. Yes. But it felt very much like Marvel's Civil War the Captain America movie yep. where when you read the comics, it's like, holy shit, this is a splash page that if it was a puzzle, it'd be a very difficult to do. But <laughs> the, this, the movie though is like, oh wow, it's, it's 10 people fighting each other. You notice it wasn't just five women channeling. They were all standing like six feet apart from each other too. Mm-hmm. Like perfect COVID protocol. They should have had masks on to go ahead and complete the illusion to let us know that this was filmed during uh, it the was pandemic. CGI'd off. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Which also in that they could have – because none of them besides uh, not even Egwene – None of them were interacting physically with each other. They could have green screened a bunch more people and made it a little more like, oh, this is going to happen. Or it could be, hey, it's five. We don't know what's going to happen. I think it was completely appropriate because, yeah, not that many women are channelers in a city like this. I mean, having three women who can channel and then like two women who are visiting that can also channel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a godsend. I mean, generally yeah. the women who can channel are sent to the t- white tower. Like they're, you remember the Fisher, the Fisher girl that, um, mm-hmm. who grew up to be the armor and seat, you know, I mean, she was strong armed into going to the white tower because she could channel. So this city of Faldara though, like way off on the edge. Yeah. I think that was an appropriate number anyways. So then we see everybody who's not fighting. We see them leave. So we got like our three groups of fighters, Men leaves the city along with that trail of other people. Uh, and then we see the shot of some warriors digging up the throne room, if you remember that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of those guys was Uno. He's, got, he's the guy with the eye patch. He's the guy that I relate with because, you know, I've got my, my eye issue in my one eye. So you can call me Uno as well. He's always my guy. He's there chopping up the throne room. Um, let's see. When the channelers... Okay, the channelers gather, everybody's doing their thing, but then we get um, Perrin's kind of left off to the side because he can't leave the city because he doesn't want to leave the channelers, but he and Loyal are sticking around, not to fight, but just because they're with the channelers. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're the plus twos (laughs) or whatever. I I loved one of the lines, he's talking to Loyal and he says, how can we just sit here? And then Loyal says... (laughs) I'm not. I'm standing. And then yes, he's like, shut up, man. <laughs> I loved it. He kicked over his bench in anger. I mean, yes, that's why we love Loyal. Um, anybody who's listened to this knows how this ends with Loyal in the very end here. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. But I'm just going to say right now, I ain't buying that shit, James. I ain't buying pissed. that shit. So pissed. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not even buying it. I mean, not a, it's not the fact that I'm pissed. I just ain't buying it. Okay, 100%. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not, because, get- it's not because I have any prior book knowledge. It's just because I just don't buy it. I just don't. I hope there was enough fan outrage that they're like, hey, hey, he just got poked in the tummy. He'll be fine. Well, we know that he is a, he's not a human, you know, he, he's an ogier. So he mm-hmm. probably has a different skin, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> spoiler territory. I don't know, but this, this, this loyal did not get stabbed in the books. I will tell okay. you that right now. This like, there's a lot of changes between the book and the show and that should be mentioned. And nobody was happy to see loyal stabbed and nobody believes that, this is how it's going to be. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, I don't know either because I mean, there's what twenty seven hundred characters in the show. So losing one character, they could substitute another character for him pretty easily. But I, I don't think that's the route they're going. They're like, this is Goyle, the girl loyal, and it's like, okay, yeah, I guess, but like, this is still just rude for you to do to the fans maybe during sweeps week they'll have like little loyally like a little baby loyal that comes mm-hmm, in and says mm-hmm. little cracky quips to the crew <laughs> have you looked on like imdb if they've posted any uh characters who will be in season two yeah they have introduced some new characters but they haven't confirmed like anything like loyal of how many back. episodes they'll be on uh, because that's how you would know if no. Loyal survives is if all of a sudden he's like, oh, he's he's uh, like, oh, he's in four episodes of the first season. Wait, wait, it's saying he's now in 23. Well, that <laughs> also doesn't make sense because there's not that many. What? I don't think they released that much episode on IMDb about Wheel of Time. And they mm-hmm. when they mentioned that there's a new they do this pretty frequently. They say, here's four new char- here's four new actors that are going to be in the new season, but they don't say who they're going to be. So uh-huh. everybody just starts speculating and guessing who they're going to be. Um, I'm looking up, because we're talking about Loyal, we're talking about Loyal's poor end here. Um, we did have, I believe it was Anna that wrote in, and we had a conversation about Loyal. I wanted to read what she said. Well, well, you're looking that up. Yes. During this time when the Trollocs, the Trollops, I'm, I apologize, when they start flooding into the near this wall, it reminded me a lot of Dynasty Warriors mixed with like World War Z of that, like them all climbing up the wall. But it then made me think, have you ever played any Dynasty Warrior games? Never even heard of it. They're very fun. They're just like hack and slash, just floods of enemies coming to you. Awesome. Really cool. For the PlayStation 2, it was marketed as like the most character models on screen at one time than any other game. There is some frame rate issues when a lot of that happens, (laughs) but for the most part, it's good. However... It's insane that they haven't made, like, a zombies version of Dynasty Warriors, especially during, like, the whole zombie waves that – the trend that was around because, it like, just mowing down zombies with a, like, sword and shit would have been so fun. Yeah, totally. I should Google that because there's probably a (laughs) mod out there. (laughs) Yeah, we're spending half our time looking things up on this episode. This is the lookup episode. So this Mm -hmm, is what me mm -hmm. and Catherine were talking about. We were, um, you know, she chimed in with her her thoughts about episode eight. And uh, she she loved the storyline of Moraine and Swan. She really liked how that turned out, which which was different than the books. She was a fan of that. 
I lamented to her about how, you know, I was pissed off about Pat and Fane stabbing Loyal. And I said I wasn't taking that seriously. And I'm just forgetting that that even happened. Uh, she says, for what it's worth, I'm sure they'll find a way to bring Loyal back because he was only in four episodes. Mm-hmm. I say a bunch of BS. She says, maybe we'll see him wounded enough to warrant everyone going to a steading to have him healed, which I think she is 100% right on with that. Um, these Ogiers, I think I explained a few episodes back when we first met Loyal, they come from steadings and that's where they live, like a forest steading. And mm-hmm. they have to stay in those steadings. And if they leave for a long amount of time, I mean, they need to come back to recharge, to reheal. And if they're wounded, they can also go back to a steading to heal as well. And I'm not too sure if an Aes Sedai can heal a, um, an Ogier or not. In this TV show, I have no idea. So I think that Catherine's on to something here that Loyal is fatally wounded, that uh, they're going to try to heal him, but because he's an Ogier, they can't, and they're going to head to the nearest steading. That's my guess. That'd be nice. I would love it. I mean, the steadings are like, a you know, the Redwood Forest. So that'd be a perfect, uh, perfect setting for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Dynasty Warrior Zombies, a lot of people asking for it on like Reddit and all of that. And there was an article titled Tecmo Koe Seriously Thinking About Making Zombie Warriors. <laughs> but that was back in 2013. It never mm. happened. Yeah, that's 10 years of thinking no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I'm going to get into the last temptation of Ran that ran now. We're going to go back into his storyline. And actually, we're just going to talk about um Rand up until the end and then we'll go back and we'll talk about um everybody else all right hell yeah so he starts to question exactly what's happening here and he puts Egwene through a little quiz like he talks about the day they ran away and carved some crap in a tree they remember that but they don't remember the berries I don't know yeah (laughs) which to that I was like dude ask her something that she doesn't know Because obviously this is a construct in your own mind. Everyone would know what you know because it is you. Ah, so ask her something that only she would know. Well, how could he ask her something that only she knows that he does not? No, no, ask her something only he knows. Oh, okay. So like if uh, she answers in the affirmative, he's like, aha, I know it's you're, Mm -hmm. you're fake. Yeah. Well, he's trying to figure it out, obviously. Um the dark one, I guess, kind of kind of clues into that because that's when he freezes and enter the frame and he, uh, you know, does the usual stuff, tells Rand how he can rebuild the world in his own image. And, you know, meanwhile, Moraine's got a knife to Rand's throat to his body, but in his brain, he's up here hanging out the dark one. Um, hey, Steve. Hey, James. Uh, how, if you made the world in your own image, how would the world act? <laughs> Um, I think about the steadings of, of the, uh, the Ogier and I think about how they exist in their society and how they, um, I, I like the Ogier society where they, they live in the forest. They don't stray from it for too long. Uh, they, they don't war with other steadings. They, they have open communication with other steadings, uh, Everyone enjoys nature. There's they build for pleasure. Uh, 
So, you know, if you, if you have a half a hankering to, to get some energy out, you can go build yourself a cool ass monastery or a cool ass, big ass building somewhere and have some humans living there. I don't know. Yeah, I would, it, it would be a pretty peaceful world full of nature. For me, it would be just a world full of highly sex positive, kind, goofy scamps, which <laughs> as I was like saying this, I was like, oh, it'd kind of be like the hormone monsters in Big Mouth, but more specifically, uh, John Gemberling's hormone monster character. Like that's that's me, guys. And that's how I wish the world was. But is that how John Gemberling wishes the world was there? That's what you have to ask yourself. What well, no, I'm remaking it in my image. Okay, okay, so yeah, you're you're bypassing like Rand's um Rand's qualm here with like wanting to please other people as well. Cuz yeah, no, you, yeah, may, I'm re, I'm remaking the world in my own image. So yeah, you, you totally totally Jane. Okay, so yeah, so if I didn't give a shit about anybody else except for Steve, I would still go with what I said. Yeah, I love being outside. I love being in nature. Also, it like if the world was made in my own image, it would be a pretty peaceful world of sex positive John Gamberlin hormones. No, I'm just saying like, that's the most uh, like, if you were to be like, okay, well, what is James think the John Gamberlin hormone monster? That's if, if I had a hormone monster, it would be that one. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) All right. So, Rand wants to know, just like you want to know, you're like, how can I make this real? <laughs> um, once once Rand kind of figures out that uh, that this world he can make is the, any world he wants and Egwene can be anything he wants her to be, he's not down with that because he wants Egwene to have her own choices. He knows this is not necessarily what she wants, that she would just be like a a little Rand sex doll or whatever mm-hmm. in this world. So he Rand's definitely not down with that. So they they play with the one power. They get some uh some white spinny stuff, some black spinny stuff. This played out just like you were saying like the Avengers. This played out like an Avengers battle where they yeah. looked at each other and they did a mega blast and Rand says, I did it. He blasts the guy in his face and then he's gone. Um any questions about that? Do you think he's gone? <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, because What's-Her-Face says, uh, I think this is the first battle, not the last. But right. I, we are also intercut when the Dark One is talking to Rand in this uh, this mind escape. He's also talking to Meringue, and I wrote down, the Dark One's greatest power holding multiple conversations simultaneously. <laughs> He's good. That's good. But this is the episode I break from the dark one. Because oh. if your whole, ooh, here's the temptation that I'm going to give you, it's a baby. Dude, fuck. That's seriously the best you have? Hey, you can have a baby here. <laughs> Ew, gross. Get out of here. Get cooler. Say, like, you can have fame and fortune. You can have just i don't know you can eat whatever you want without gaining any weight instead you gain muscle while eating ice cream we know by now this is our eighth episode hanging with Rand. he's just a he's a boring breeder 
That's all he wants Ugh. is just to like live live with Egwene up there on the mountainside in his dad's house and raise babies. That's exactly what Rand wants. That's exactly what the Dark One gives him. That's not what the Dark One would give you, James. Mm-hmm. He would, you know, give you like, you know, multiple beat powers and like, <laughs> I don't know, access to anything you could possibly desire. So this would be a different show if you were the Dark One. I'm I mean, if be you were the Dragon I- Reborn. I'm going to be honest, if I had access to whatever I wanted, music would be the last thing I would ever think about. It's, it, I'd be like, oh, I can live carefree in a port town with Nicole and we don't have to worry about money or anything, especially my weight. Though, Or I, you want to know what? Like, it would remove – no, 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 no. I would still want to be ripped and hot, which I have been doing that One Punch Man exercise, and my vicious V is starting to form. It's Ooh. very small, but I – like, you can see in the right light, it picks up a bump, <laughs> and you see a shadow. I'm like, oh, baby, I'm looking fit as I've ever been. Oh, man, I could really go for some of that – Um not gaining weight with anything with yeah that that's what the dark one would tempt me with he would probably like show me like the best version of myself which a couple years ago i went on a on a exercise kick weight loss kick got down to my best shape i've ever been in my life this was maybe two years ago right Mm -hmm. before the pandemic yeah and uh it's gone to shit since then and if the dark if the dark one showed me like the steve barnes from that day then i might be like hmm i think i might go with this at least you got to your best weight and your best looking self before pandemic. So right. then it, like it could like there wasn't like, oh, man, I should start working out. Then pandemic hits and then you're you're you had a lot to work with to atrophy. Right. So then you're like, hey, I'm still at the end of pandemic looking pretty nice. <laughs> that, yeah, that is absolutely true, because if I hadn't done that, if I had gone into the pandemic weigh in 230 pounds, which is, which is what's my heaviest. Mm-hmm. If I'd gone to the pandemic with that, then I probably would have walked out about 300. I'm sure yeah. it would have uh, before my last breakup in like 2013, I, my ex was taking flight attendant schools, uh, like classes. She, she's a flight attendant. And while she was gone, she was going to be gone for like a month. I was like, I'm going to take this time to get in the best shape of my life. Ooh, so I'm yeah. like working out. I'm like looking good for when she comes back. And I yeah. can say like, hey, this this was for you. But then we <laughs> broke up before she came back. But I was thinking, I was like, wow, this is the best time to have broken up because I'm confident with my body. So when I start dating again, I'm I'm going to be good. Good. And yeah, it worked out. Hell yeah. You know, me as like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm 50 this year. And so, of course, most of the people I'm around are my age as well. And, you know, most of us are portly. Whenever you see, whenever I see a fellow 40 or 50 something start, you know, losing 20, 30 pounds looking good, I'm like, hmm. I wonder if their marriage is doing okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> always my first thought. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so we're going to switch back. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Real quick, Nicole and I's relationship is fine. I just, I would like to look attractive, and then maybe Nicole will be like, wow, looking real attractive now. Nicole has never said, James, you need to lose weight or get fit. She's like, (laughs) I truly don't care. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't I don't I don't think it's for her. I think it's totally for you at this point because she's she's already accepted you. And yeah. however you were when you all first met and then every stage in between, she's accepted all of that as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you're good, man. Uh, Moraine ain't good. I'm going to go back no. to the Wheel of Time. Uh, they're they're in the cave. And we had mentioned before we had f- finished the last episode with the Dark One. Uh, taking the power away from Moraine. She did get cleaved. She did. And so I'm a little conflicted about this because Lan comes in, so we get some dialogue between her and Lan that kind of explains a couple things. Um, she explains that she cannot touch the source. Um, she Because the reason she says so is that... Um, because he says, unmask the bond so we can, you know, be water and I Sedai again. She says, I can't because I cannot touch the source. But she also st- still can't lie. So I'm not sure how those two things work together because she did that little clever way. Rand insisted, I, I skipped past this part, but I'm back at it now. Rand, you know, told her, you know, after his battle with the Dark One, and it seemed like the Dark One is either dead or gone or something. He's not here anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Rand's grappling with himself. So he just tell everybody I'm dead. You know, I don't care what you tell him. Just tell him I'm dead. She's like, I cannot lie. She still cannot lie. And she didn't lie to land. She just kind of cleverly shook her head and said, he's gone telling the truth. Shouldn't she be able to tell the truth at this point? What do you, I mean, she can still make workarounds. I don't think she can. She cannot touch the source. Like, she's just a normal woman now, by all respects. Oh, wait, you mean she should be able to lie now? Right. Oh, I I don't know. Maybe it's just a uh, an honor thing. I don't know. This this is not a book thing either. This is this is new to the TV show. Oh, okay, damn. So I'm I'm not sure how this is gonna play out. I'm not sure if like but I would think like once you can't touch the source, you're not magical anymore, that any oaths that you made while you were magical would now be broken because you're not tied to them i i'm guessing she's going to get to touch it again i'm guessing that and like i said this is all speculation so this is no spoilers this is just speculation i'm guessing that the dark one is still out there because Mm -hmm. she said this is only the first battle and that somehow he is holding her source for her yeah and that she has to find him and get that source back somehow um, so that sets us up for something that could happen, I guess, later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, something interesting too, is like this guy that we're seeing, we've seen him this whole show. He was the scarecrow, Eddie looking guy. And, you know, in the credits, he's the dark one. There's no other, you know, minions of the dark one. Um, so I guess it's just him. He does at this point, he doesn't have any underlings. Um, they find the, the, I don't know how to say this right. The Kulandar crystal, um, which proves that this was not the last battle. These Kulandar crystals are what they used to seal up um, the Dark One inside that prison. And there were supposed to be seven seals, but there was just this one seal that was broken, which means that the battle is still on. Um, I'm not going to pretend I fully understand all this, but Mm -hmm. I guess I can explain it. When in the dreamscape with Rand, the Dark One says, oh, 
all you have to do is like wish and think that this happen this all exists because it was and is it, like it always was and is and i was like it just you're so close to making a gg allen reference just say always shall be and then then was is and always shall be just make it you're so close and they did not what is and always shall be <laughs> From the rom-com plex. Hell yes. I still think this could play as a rom-com. I mean, this could play as like a... This is absolutely as a rom-com. I was thinking of the the show Dark that I was talking about earlier because that absolutely is not a rom-com by any means at all. But Mm -hmm. absolutely it could be described as such if you took certain characters and certain scenes into consideration. So yeah, I, uh, (laughs) I proposed that idea to her as kind of like a little, huh, hey, what's up? Huh? Maybe have me on the show and we'll talk about dark. Yeah, that's an entire. That's such a huge commitment to her and her co-host. <laughs> what to watch three entire seasons of a show just to get a rom-com episode out of it? Yeah, I think it's reasonable. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, we've only we spent- split mm-hmm. up a, an hour-long episode into two, so it is capable to be done in an hour. <laughs> I think all of my ideas can work well, so I think we can make it work somehow. <laughs> all you gotta do is but, just watch it on like a 1.5 time. You're fine. I don't think you can do that on <laughs> Netflix. I've never even tried. I just hear Howard Kramer talking about it sometimes. I've never even given it a shot. I do that on podcasts sometimes, though. I'll put them like on one and a half speed or 1.25 speed, and it, you know, speeds along the process a little bit, especially for the slow talkers. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I do YouTube, and that's the only thing I I watch. And when I need to take notes on Sentai stuff, my initial to, like, do the intro, I'll watch it at, like, two times speed to, like, quickly get it done. And then when Nicole and I watch it together, we watch at normal speed. I tried one of the the Shuffle in the Deck podcasts you do with Sean Marciniak. I tried to... uh it was like a two, it was over a two hour episode. And so I tried out like the fast speed. It does not work with your voice, James. You, you talk fast as it is anyway. You're a pretty snappy uh, speaker and thinker. So when you try to turn you up to like a one, even a 1.25, it does not work. My brain can't keep up that fast at all. It's also that I edit it. So you, so there's no like pauses in it. So right. there's, uh, there's reason for that. So Parent and loyal. We're going to go back to these fellas. Um, They don't know what to do. Loyal suggests the most obvious thing, but he does it in the nicest loyal way possible that all you have to do is ask. And of course, as soon as uh, parent asks Uno what he can do, Uno just hands him a pickaxe and says, get to work, big guy. Mm -hmm. Because these are two big guys. These are this is the kind of task they could definitely help with. And what they are doing is they're digging up. Have you heard anything about the Horn of Valir at this point? I have not. Okay. That is the object that they are digging up. And it's come up maybe twice, not on the podcast, but on the show. They they mentioned something about the Horn of Valir. And it is a horn that when it is blown, all of the heroes of the past will appear and fight on the side of the light to defeat the Dark One. That's what the Horn of the Lear is. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're on a wheel of time and it is like a, a huge pattern. So somehow the sound of that horn will send them all coming. Um, all of our heroes. So it's hidden away from everybody and it's hidden here in Faldara, right by the blight. Not a great place to hide it, but that's where it is. Um, our boys aid in digging that sucker up. But it's not just the heroes that want the Horn of Valir. The Dark One would love to have the Horn of Valir as well, just simply to take away like a huge weapon that the light mm-hmm. could have. So therefore, we've got our buddy. I love him. Padan, Padan Fane, Padan Fane, the peddler. He knows the password to get into the uh, the throne room. If you noticed, it was uh, something like the the puffer fish sings on the mountaintop or <laughs> something fish related was the password, of course, because Swan, you know, loves fish jokes. So uh, he gains entryway. They slice off some heads. He's got the fades on his side. He hangs out with these fades. I told you, they're his buddies. They whistle the same song. Um, he was the dark one where they were talking about, I'm afraid that there's dark friends inside the gate Yeah, in our city. They know that because they did some shit to help the Trollocs out. He's our man. He's our guy. Um, he's got the Horn of Valir now. Um, he leads Perrin on a little... I didn't really understand the little chase they did where he, where Perrin sees Padan. So he goes and chases after him and then leads him right back into the same room where he is stabbing loyal in the gut. Well, they're still afraid of the five. Like the, the, as he explained, like, Hey, we don't want to kill you, but like, because you guys do have power and worth to this effort, we also want you probably want you to see this peril that just happened. You walked in yet again to something uh, like murderers of people you care about that you could not prevent. And maybe, hey, you maybe you aided in this to set him to the dark side. Gotcha. So he so so Patton was like, yeah, follow me, parent. I'll lead you away so we can take care of these other people while you're not here. And then you can mm-hmm. come back in and check it out, which he did. I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of seeing loyal get stabbed in the gut. And I'm, Same. I'm standing by the theory that he has like super tough skin. I think that's what I predict much like Catherine was saying. I think we're going to see a scene of like, on episode one, maybe episode two of like loyal in like a hospital bed somewhere and saying something like my skin is much tougher than they believe or something along those lines, some kind of like snappy, smart explanation of why they didn't kill him. Or he says, my organs are all in my legs. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like he has a different layout in there. I'm sure he does. Mm -hmm. But then within 30 seconds, I see, our boy loyal get killed and then when we flash over to the channelers yeah oh that doesn't fare well our lady amelissa is a big greedy woman <laughs> she she means well that's the reason that she called the other channelers with her because she can channel she can do a mega blast but she needs help with that because she's mm-hmm. very weak in the power. So they have this way they can link their power together. She uses all their power to connect to the source. 
And once she does, she can't let go. And the ladies drop one by one. Men's vision comes true. We see Nynaeve all burn up and hunching over and she's dead. I mean, she looked dead to me. And then Mm -hmm. Egwene did some healing tears over top of her um, and not a scratch on Nynaeve. Her skin looks as beautiful as the first day at the Two Rivers. Yeah, that's why you always need two healers in your party. Because if one goes down, you need the other. The other can be like a secondary healer. It doesn't need to be like a primary, hey, I'm a cleric. It's just like, hey, make sure you have two people who can do some heals. That goes along with my theory. I always have like an extra pair of shoes in my car or like an extra sweatshirt or something just in case the the first goes awry. You Mm -hmm. you got your second backup. So... uh, I was disappointed with with this whole scene with with the uh, the channelers. I liked it as long as you know Nanive made it out alive. I think she should have. I think they should have scarred her face up or something. Nah, because then that like then you have to go into makeup all the time. Uh-huh. That you don't want to do that. She would look badass. I mean, it, I mean, we know she's a badass, and she would look even more badass if she had like a burn up face or like a. You know, some even something just small, so you, it's a visible reminder of the time that she and Egwene, like you know, took out all these trollocs. I also think that these channelers should have been the first defense, not the second defense, because they they were the ones that took them out. Them yeah. being the trollocs, you would have saved a lot of people's lives, but that that just that might be tradition because they're like, well. Most of the time, the first line gets the job done. But whoa, holy shit! There are tens of thousands here. We 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 got to change it up. They were also thinking that Rand would have come yeah. and done things a little bit sooner. Yeah, I forgot about that part. And it didn't. I mean, those things should have been linked, but they didn't play out as linked necessarily. Uh, but you did notice that Lady Amalissa was wearing that um, that golden armor that she was talking about that her brother should have been wearing. Mm-hmm. Her brother, in that first battle of defense, was run through with a spear by a trollic, but you remember that he was saying that he needs to wear his own armor, and we mm-hmm. were calling that you know, Schrodinger's armor, I believe. Yeah. Chekhov's. Chekhov's armor, excuse me. <laughs> so he... Uh, got stabbed through with a spear but if you look at his eyes he does not look dead in that last scene he must be dead because that huge explosion happened and they burned up all the trollocs but maybe they only burned up anybody who was on the dark one side Mm -hmm. because i think that that might have been the reason that he wanted to wear that armor and like i said he did not look dead his eyes crossed his eyes looked like they were like angry not dead to me and again, this is all specul. This is one hundred percent speculation because I have nothing to spoil because this is all different. <laughs> and the, my uh, my last note is truly an army of people saying, "Hey, fuck that kid," and that's how we end. <laughs> yeah, we also end. We we get a shot of Matt too. Let's not forget about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not in any of these episodes, but they did like a, a cut to shot of him looking like he was 
back in Shadar Logoth again. Yeah. Um, and as we see, Matt, they're talking about how, you know, there needs to be balance. And this this is Padane Fane is talking to Perrin at this point, um, telling him, you know, this is this was the plan all along was to come find you guys, not to kill y'all. But we knew there was something special about five y'all in one village. That's why I kept showing up. That's why the dark one, you know, has his eye on you guys because he knows that y'all are important. Um, all five or all five of y'all are important. Some of y'all may fall to the shadow. And that's when we see Matt with his face looking all uh, angry or I don't know, just not looking right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's foreshadowing that Matt is going to turn to the shadow again, speculation. I don't know what's going to happen from this point on. I think that is all of my main notes. Cause um, even the parts that I skipped my notes, we somehow went into it. Uh, did you have anything else before we're at the end here? Nope. That's it. Let's see. We, so we cover everybody. Matt is now, we think in Shadar Logoth, looking weird. Looking um, scary. And scary. Loyal's possibly dead, but we don't believe it. Um, Perrin is in the city with um, Egwene and uh, Nynaeve. So the three of them are together. Rand is gone, so we don't know where he is. But Moraine and Lan, the last time we see them, they're in the heart of the blight at the eye of the world. So that's where we're leaving everybody right now. And Padane Fane has the, the Horn of Valir, um, but we don't know if the Dark One is good at this point. Good as in we don't know if he's dead or whatever, which I'm sure he's not. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. Um, so that's where we leave everybody. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. Oh, oh hell no. We got our post credit sequence, buddy. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Fuck that kid. <laughs> Do you think that that's the reason that all those is that the reason that those ships appeared and like to do a big tidal wave just to take just to take out that one kid on the beach? I mean, you could look into it as that and maybe this is a flashback and this is some extremely powerful channeler that they want to take out and what's really about to happen is like she is going to just cut that wave in half <laughs> and that or the like that's just collateral damage they needed to mm-hmm. attack this shore in order to say like hey all of the dark ones or whatever on the shore they're they've been taken out it's kind of been cleansed uh, or in disarray for enough for us to land get our own positioning and go to wherever we need to go gotcha well me in the reddit hive mind have a different theory. We think that that the uh, in this speculation that they're creating that big giant wave to get up on the cliff top because otherwise, when they park their ships there on the beach, they're going to have to somehow get up there on top of the cliff and they'll be exposed, and they're you know them coming won't be any surprise. This way, they can raise the water up on top of the cliff, park their boats right there, get out, start fighting immediately. I mean, yeah, that's I. Th- no offense, that's stupid because then the boats are just on a cliff. How do you get the boats off the cliff? By getting the one power and calling it back up again to have another super high tide and take you also, right back just, out again. Uh, no, be, 
if if you are able to move water like that, you are able to move people like that with the one power. <laughs> Just levitate them up there, and you don't need to worry about like that would, that be, would be easier. Yes, like if that is what they're doing, like lifting the water so the boats can get up there, they are exerting way too much power. Unless, like, hey, it's a show of force, we can do this, but that's still, like, that's also bad, because then you could show the people when you're in battle, like, hey, this is actually what we can do, opposed to, like, holy shit, they can do a lot, but hey, they've used some of their power up, and we we we're, we are, we know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, I think this was just a show of power. I mean... When I when I speculated about the the boat going up on top of the shore, I, I loved myself. But I think you're right. It's just a show of power to show all these ships. They're badass Avatar um, movie looking ships. They reminded me of the movie Avatar. If you ever saw the live action one, no. Oh, don't. It was it was yeah. awful. I hated it. But their but but their ships all look like this. And um and he means Avatar: The Last Airbender, not James Cameron's Avatar. Correct, but I wasn't a big fan of that one either. Anything named, well, no, <laughs> forget it. So these are the Senchen, something that, oh, Sean Chen. I don't, I'm terrible at pronunciations, but it's spelled like, like Sean Marciniak, Sean Chen, like Sean, C-H-A-N. And that's what this uh, race of people are called. So now we have like a new, like huge force that's going to be entering the play, playing field right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know much about them. They do talk about them in the origin episodes. So we'll just wait until we get to origins and you can learn all about the Sean Chen at that time. When we get to our history lessons, we're going to end this podcast and we're going to talk about what's coming next. All right. Oh, what's coming next. We're going to do the origins. We're going to have some guests on. I know the white Batmobile is going to show up. Maybe you'll learn his real name, but probably not. He likes to keep himself a little on the secret, a little on the down low. When I say you, I mean you and the listeners, but Mm -hmm. that would be nice if he introduced himself and came on as himself, but I believe he's coming on as the white Batmobile. Um, I want to do a music episode and I would love to have another guest on for that one as well. Um, I don't want to be talking about music. I just want to have like a 10 minute bumper where we talk about the bands and then we just play them all. I know one of my goals, though, is to is to keep participating with the Death Cast. Um, where did I already say that we're working on episode two right now? Yes. Well, I bet you by the time listeners hear this, it's probably already out. So check out the Death Cast. That's on the Weekly Geekly. Um, I guess that sounds like a plug, doesn't it? I'll also plug my band Intravoid while I'm at it, and Rebecca Crow. Rebecca Crow recently got some uh, videos put up of myself and Heather. And we, by the time you listen to this, we will also have some, uh, some white stripe cover songs that we're going to enter into a white stripes cover song contest on Reddit. So hell yeah, that's ending on May 28th. So I think the weekend of after May 28th is they'll probably, uh, I'll probably put a link to all the different bands that are doing that right now. We heard a link of a guy who did, um, fell in love with a girl and just did a bang up version of that. That was probably like twice as fast as the white stripes version. Um, but yeah, we're going to throw our hat in the ring there too. I went long. What's your plugs this week? Not this week, James. Hey James. Hey James. What's up? Hi. So James, you are also a, a rapper producer. Do you have any plugs for us? 
I do. Go to MLMPod.com to find out information about my music under Marshland Monster or wherever music is found. While you're on MLM Pod, you can find out information about my other podcasts such as Mostly Speaking Sentai, Hit It and Crit It, and Shuffling the Deck. Plus, on June 10th, brand new single with Dragon Boy Suede, a.k.a. Howard Kramer, entitled Indica Inch, will be available wherever music is found. Again, that's June 10th, technically June 9th 9th at 7 (laughs) p.m., but... Uh, you'll get it early, June 10th, loop it a bunch, it's a good song, check it out. Yeah, and then patreon.com forward slash mlmpod.com, $5 a month gets you exclusive podcasts, best way to support us. Heck yeah, I'll keep doing so, can't wait to hear some Indica Inch, maybe smoke some Sativa, listen to Indica Inch, can I do that or do I have to smoke Indica to listen to it? I say I always recommend a hybrid. <laughs> That's the that's the crappy way out. Come on, I'm I think I'm gonna instead of a hybrid, I'm gonna get like some pure indica, some pure sativa, and then I'm gonna smoke bowl after bowl, and then listen to indica inch. Is that okay? Can I do that? Go for it. <laughs> what is the uh, what is the other activity that is portrayed in indica inch? Should I be doing that too while I listen to it? Yeah, I'm not going to <laughs> recommend you do that, especially while <laughs> listening to the song. Well, that's it for this week, y'all. We'll see y'all every week after this on Switch Out of Time. I'm Steve. He's James. Bye, y'all. I provide water and shade to you all. Thank you, James, for providing us water and shade. And I provide it with you as well. And always wish you well. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 